Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. It's real cash that never expires or loses value. Apply for Apple Card in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Daily cash is available via Apple Cash Card issued by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, or as a statement credit. Terms and more at applecard.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome to TV Concierge, the Ringer's Guide to the Crowded Streaming Landscape. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com. I'm joined by my buddy, Katie Baker, a staff writer at The Ringer. And we are here to talk to you about Beartown, a new Swedish... Bakes, is it a crime drama? Is it a family drama? Is it a small town drama? Is it a hockey drama? Good question. It's funny. It has... I was thinking it has elements of the Mighty Ducks, but then it also you know, and Friday Night Lights, but then it also has kind of that dark Nordic uh, tone that we've come to know lately. And so, yeah, it kind of, it's a little, it's like a dark hockey crime drama. To answer a your dark question. hockey crime drama. I think if they made a show in a lab for Katie, it was this one. It's on HBO Max. They've aired three episodes so far out of a five episode run. And it's based on um, a novel by a Swedish writer named Frederick Backman, Bakes. For the uninitiated, and honestly, I just let's start here. Do, what are your feelings about this show? I can't imagine a show that is more dialed into like your interests. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I listened to uh, the watch uh, with you and Andy, and you know, heard you saying like, "Why, why aren't there more shows like this in in the U.S. and kind of on regular TV here?" And I really enjoyed it. I, I actually have kind of been giving it a rewatch, and I've just really been paying attention to, I mean, in general, I just really enjoy it and think it does a really great job of distilling the sports culture in the U.S., even though it's not a U.S. show, which is one thing that resonated with me. Like, um, I sometimes forgot that it wasn't a U.S. show, even though I was watching it in English subtitles, which I think shows the universality of a lot of the topics that they cover, which is, you know, if you talk to the director, he is very quick to say this is a show about toxic masculinity. But I think it's so much more nuanced than um, than that tagline makes it sound. And I think it it's funny, but it's also grim. And um, it has you know, sort of major characters, but it also has these really rich minor characters that I'm enjoying getting to know more on a rewatch. And um, so, you know, and it's five episodes, so it's kind of a, a good um, bite size in a way, but also 
gives it enough room to indulge and um, to get into a lot of the the topics that are unfortunately universal. Yeah, I got into this show because there's a little bit of a um, not a, a drought, but there's a little bit of been a little bit of a slowdown of like big U.S. shows to get into outside of WandaVision this year. I mean, there's some stuff. There's definitely stuff worth checking out, but a lot of the best TV that I've seen so far this year has been international. Whether it's it's a sin coming out of England or the investigation coming out of Denmark and Beartown with in Sweden. And you're right, like it really does. It has a certain universal quality, and uh, the toxic masculinity element is really interesting to me because when it starts, you're kind of like oh, this is drab Friday Night Lights. Like, this is Friday Night Lights without the explosions in the sky <laughs> yes. music and without the, like, smoking hot guys, like, like smolderingly staring at one another, you know, across locker rooms and then hugging at the end. Like, hey, don't discount the, the, the stares of Peter Anderson. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but it is a really amazing portrait of how sports, especially in small communities, can both be this unifying and force and a saving grace in some ways, and then also be this hugely corrupting factor in people's lives. And, you know, you can get into the um, the way in which, like, the hockey players in Beartown, so essentially it's about a junior hockey team uh, that that is rescued, essentially, by an ex-NHL player named Peter Anderson, who's come back from Canada to live in Beartown, Bjornstad, as it is in Sweden. And he moves his family of, of two kids and his wife back to Sweden after the loss of his son to coach this. He thinks he's going to be coaching the senior team, like the, the factory team there. And, you know, a lot the, of... Uh, the old Europe fogies, as yeah. the closed captioning puts it. And the, a lot of European sports, like, you know, their clubs are usually like, if you go back far enough in their history, especially with the soccer teams, like they are related to a factory. Like Arsenal used to be related to the arms factory in London. And like, there, there's a lot of clubs like that. I think West Ham has that, that kind of um, history as well. I'm not sure if it's the case. I assume it is for a lot of the hockey teams, but he gets there. He sees these senior, the senior team. And he's like, I don't want to do these guys. I want to coach the juniors because the juniors have this prodigy named Kevin. And, you know, you're getting ready. You're like, that's okay. I, I understand this. This is Coach T. That's Jason Street. This guy's Riggins. Like, all the recognizable uh, sort of tropes are there. And then it kind of inverts a lot of that. And right at the moment where you're the most excited about the hockey, it kind of makes you feel bad for all of it because of a of a of um, an incident that occurs. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet. Me and Katie will talk a little bit more in detail about it in just a minute or two. But... Bakes, like, as a hockey fan, did you feel like the hockey is well-rendered and engaging for you? I did. Um, I heard you had mentioned, I think you said this, like, on Slack, too, like, that there's some really long hockey scenes. Like, Extremely You almost long. feel like you're watching, like, HBO 24-7. Yeah. You know, slow, they're, like, I, I, was, I was laughing as I rewatched it because there's a, there a scene where you just see a guy kind of like cross-checking a guy in front of the net, just the most everyday move. Yeah. And it's given this, you know, zoom in and, but not in like a distracting way, just in a, a way that really um, engages in the game. And um, it's funny. I actually, the hockey was to me realistic enough um, that I looked it up a little bit more and it, I ended up speaking to a woman named Amy McDaniel who, and not to like spoil my own future writing, but like <laughs> she, um, she's a sports choreographer and oh, one wow. of her first projects ever was the movie Miracle, which I remember at the time thinking 
did a really good job with the actual hockey scenes. And um, anyway, like she was in Sweden. I think they filmed it about two years ago. Um, like, you know, so it wasn't right before the pandemic. It was about a year before that, that they were actually filming it. Um, but, you know, part of her job was to communicate storyline through the actual hockey. And a lot of the guys, what's interesting also that we should talk about a little bit is that a lot of the actors are not necessarily actors. They were hockey players or they were, this is one of their first projects ever. And I think that lends a lot of the authenticity, the sort of the teenage authenticity to it in a way. But yeah, I, I like the hockey scenes. I like that um, they're, you know, you see a player have a, a pivotal assist, you know, and, and, and you, under, and you really are so engaged in the people that you notice that. Um, but yeah, I actually, I, when I was rewatching it, I looked it up and that there's one game in episode two that has a full like 10 minutes of screen time. I think it might be no. longer than that. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, you yeah. see every goal. Like, I mean, like it's, it's the, the Bjornstad winds up, Beartown winds up winning uh 2-1, right. Or 3-2. And like you yeah. see every single goal and all the build up and come down from each one. You see like D to D passes. Like that's yeah. what stuck out to me. It's like you're not just seeing like someone in the stand and then suddenly it's like, you know, a, a breakaway. It's like you see the sort of mundane elements. And and I think what kind of really relates to the show is that you see I've been thinking to myself a little bit, like, could this work with other sports? Could this be a show about a soccer club? As you say, like, there's a lot of soccer clubs that are structured similarly and have um, similar community involvement mm -hmm. and buy-in and everything like that. What hockey has in it and what relates to the broader subject is the element of, like, the protector player, the enforcer. You know, like, you have this star player and then you have an entire, you know, framework built around him and this is something that the, you know, all the way up to the NHL exists and is a constant struggle and a con especially in the age of concussions and that sort of thing. Like, what is the role of the fighter? And it's funny covering hockey, like that's part of the sport. So, you know, if an NF if an NBA player swings at someone on the court, that's like major NBA yeah. news forever. You know, yeah. in hockey that happens, it's people get bored if it doesn't happen and if they go to a game and they don't see it. So mm -hmm. um, that obviously then ties into the broader, you know, as we sort of hinted to talk it toxic masculinity element um, in a way that I think they don't like hit you over the head with it, but it's like very present. Yeah. I mean, this has in, in a lot of the same ways that Friday night lights created a, a setting, an environment, a world where football was the only thing that mattered to this West Texas town. And that, in a lot of ways, these kids were feted as gods, but also trapped in this in this kind of like aquarium where they were being like looked at like animals. Beartown has the same thing, where you get the feeling like this town is like cut off from the rest of the world. And that when you watch the uh, people from the town watching junior hockey, you know, which is essentially like watching a high school football game and they're doing chants and they're obviously like their entire week is built around when the game is and everybody goes. It's not even a question whether or not people are going. And the people who financially support the hockey club are by that factor, like because of that, they are also the most important people in the town, the most influential people in the town. And they have a lot of sway over what happens with the club it really does create this tension. And then when they make it into a question about, okay, well, what would happen if these people broke, broke the law? If, if there was a sexual assault, if there, was, if there were these things happening within this town where 
the hockey team runs the roost, but like what happens if the hockey team is actually like a force for evil? Like you're really forced to reckon with that. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because you mentioned these very powerful people in town, but when you watch the show, like they're still kind of like small scale operators in the grand scheme of life, which makes it, you know, which makes their striving feel more urgent. Um, You know, there's a character who basically plays the father of this prize hockey player. Um, I've been trying to figure out who I think he reminds me of. There's like a Chris (laughs) Cooper vibe um, to Matt. Matt's is the character's name, but you know, he's, he's the guy who's, you know, threatening people and saying, I'm going to, you know, you see his, uh, his last name on the side of the rink because he's the sponsor and he says he's going to, you know, pull his sponsorship and and all these things. But he also, you know, lives in a modest home and is kind of struggling himself in many ways. And um, I think I like that element of it. It's like, there's still this sort of power structure and the, this, you know, apparatus and, um, but it's, it's these very flawed kind of not necessarily like swaggering people that are at the top of it, which makes it all the more tragic when they have so much sway over these like young lives. I mean, it's kind of, I was kind of chuckling that right before the, you know, the long game that we were talking about, like, I think the last thing you see before they go on the ice is them saying, you know, if you lose, we lose the arena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're, they're pretty candid about that. 16 year olds <laughs> have like the fate of the arena in their hands. Yeah. Um, as far as the setting goes, I have you ever been to like out far out Sweden? I have never been to Sweden. Um, sadly, you know, always hope to go there. And um, over the last year, I've not been able to. I have been to Russia many times, strangely enough. Um, so just that. Let's very, unpack like, that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Magnitogorsk. I've been to Sochi. I've been to St. Petersburg. I've right. been to Ufa. I mean, I've never been to like London, England, but I've been to Ufa, Russia. Um, and I love that. I mean, that's, I think that's one thing. For some reason, we love watching that on TV. We love that light. We love that lack of light. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful the scenery is beautiful. There's that sort of one road they keep showing mm-hmm. where, you know, the wooded road, but it, you know, it, it emphasizes like the short days and long nights. And, um, it's an interesting geography when you watch it, like everyone's kind of can see into each other's houses, yeah. um, in this little town. And, um, one thing that was kind of funny to me, I spoke with one of the actresses or one of the actresses from the movie who plays Maya, the main girl in the show. Oh Yeah. And she is, I think, she sort of is from Stockholm, but traveled around Europe growing up because of her dad's job. So she's kind of cosmopolitan. And they filmed it, you know, far up. They kept referring to it as like the north. Like it's very, the the town is based in very northern Sweden. And even she was saying she wasn't prepared for the cold and didn't have a warm enough jacket. And it's just so funny that this Swedish, you know, woman, wasn't even ready for the cold there. And I feel like that's also part of the plot. Like the family that moves back, the wife is, you know, you get the sense she's sort of a successful lawyer and she makes these comments about like the people from the North um, and sort in sort of this, this failing town. So the, the, the sense of place to me was like very evocative. You know, I living in Los Angeles and like, there's just obviously like a kind of, um, every day can feel the same out here. Like it rains like five days a year. So my, my wife and I were watching this and we were like, Oh man, like we really want to like 
get out like we really want to go here like what we wouldn't give for like weather like this i know you you probably see a lot more snow than i i have in the last 10 years but like then there's a couple of shots where it's just like gray and dust post-industrial landscape and you're like fuck that i do yeah. not want to yeah. go to northern sweden i did have the thought many times i was like can we see like the like Fairtown too, like summertime. Like, you know what I mean? I would love to see it yeah. when it's you're at the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, I guess that's kind of the movie Midsom- Midsommar a little bit, but like just turning that same landscape into the, you know, it, it, the sunsets for one hour and everyone's crazy for different reasons. You know, um, I think that this show definitely has the, uh, it, like like there's so many characters that shift over the course at least in the first three episodes I, I know that you've seen a little bit more than me but the first three episodes are available to everybody um where you think you have like a fixed idea of who somebody is and they they change over the course of the uh, of, of this season did you find yourself um having to revise your feelings about people like kevin obviously kevin kevin's character changes very early on but like you know you, and when you watch a sports sports show or a sports movie, you get very invested in the characters very easily because you can see their accomplishments and failures. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been sort of watching some of the the characters, like there's a guy on the hockey team named William, William mm-hmm. Litt and William his Litt, mother. Yeah. His mother's is like amazing. Sort of Ma- Megan. Yeah. yeah Megan Litt is yeah. like my favorite character in the show. Um, she's just sort of the prototypical, like over-invested helicopter sports parent, but She's so precise. She was one of the things that made me have to remember this isn't based in the U.S. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a friend who is her and even has the same, like, length hair and glasses and everything. (laughs) Just storming up to the coach being like, why isn't he on the first line? Yeah. Yeah. But but anyway, her son is just kind of this generic, like, his character's not even it's not like he has a big pivotal, you know, plot role to the you know the way other characters do but I just have been sort of watching him in the background and the way he even just moves through space which is a strange thing to say about yes but it it, the actors just they I don't know the like the cadence of their walk and the way the slope of their shoulders is it just brings me back to high school and this like tangible feeling that you know athletes have and Um, and the way it's manifested in like a really physical way in, in sort of these high school settings. So watching him and his mom, you know, hanging over the banister saying, hello, hello to the coach because he's not on the first line. Peter, 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 hello. And, um, it just, those little things are so realistic to me that it kind of, you know, when things happen in the show that are very dramatic, um, it helps like ground you a little bit to the world because it's hard, you know, there's things like, it's hard to if the show was a few degrees less precise on those things, I think the impact of a lot of this, like it wouldn't work, but I think they are able, like you, you you see the care in it and you see like the specificity. Um, And, you know, I can relate it to like memories I have, like that party just really struck me. I I, I read a, a, a story for the ringer last year about like teenage movies on Netflix and so I've seen a lot of, I saw a lot of movies in a short time of like teen parties. Yeah. And this one was like up there with just how it feels to be at a party when you're, you know, 15 years old. And yeah, they do a great thing where the two, the two girls are kind of going into the party and they sort of make a pact that they yes. won't abandon one another. But you can tell one of the characters is like, sure, I won't abandon you. And the other one's like, don't abandon me. And yep. obviously it really becomes a huge plot point. Um, 
do you, what did you think of the way, like the the toxic masculinity that you were talking about with the director? Like, how do you think that the show has handled that so far? I, I mean, I think they've you know they've done a good job at establishing just how um, you know the the things that might be your strength or the, the things you might think are your weakness or your strength. And, or, you know, in, in some cases there's kind of an, a, um, an introductory scene to the coach that in some ways is like the mighty ducks, you know, like passing around the egg, mm-hmm. the eggs so they don't break. It's kind of like really establishing what the coach is all about. And he's going around and he says to the biggest kid on the team, I want you to gain 40 more pounds. And, um, you know, he says to the, the guy that's kind of always in trouble for fighting, like, you're the protector. I want you to do this. And when you watch it, it's kind of a great inspirational scene. He's like, own it. Like, I think that's the rousing refrain that they keep saying. And then it's only later that you kind of look back and think about the way that, you know, the, these are still kind of young, young guys, like figuring out their way in the world and like the, the way they're being funneled and winnowed and, you know, incentivized for things does come across. And I think there's, some of the things that I, it's hard because some of the scenes I felt were a little boring where there's a lot of like boardroom intrigue, except the boardroom yeah. is like a little cafe like in the back of the ring. I'm like, who you know are these I mean? guys? Yeah. There's like these guys They're sitting basically around, like, like the boosters, right? Swedes yeah. with beards and hats, like yeah. sitting around, you know, and what would be a diner, but has no waitress. Um, and, but those are, the, but it, it is that mundane boardroom diner where a lot of people's lives are, you know, kind of determined, unfortunately. Yeah. And so they're necessary scenes, but they're, you know, they're, those were the scenes where I was sometimes checked out about, I was like, I don't even know who's, you know, shipping who. Right. Who here. It's like all of a sudden I'm supposed to care about like this guy, Sune, who's getting like moved <laughs> out of his role as technical director of a junior hockey team. Yes. Um, before I let you go, one last question. I'm putting you on the spot. You're allowed to remake Beartown in the States. What town? And do you keep it as hockey or do you change the sport? And feel free to make it like, you know, like your own hometown if it obvious. Right. Yeah. Like some, I'm like, can we do, yeah, like a, the Bayhead Yacht Club sailing rivalry or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, no, I would do, I know what my answer is. And this is well, that's great. Sales up. I think that would be an <laughs> awesome show. <laughs> yeah. Has there been a good, what's the best like sailing? There's like an America's Cup movie I remember from a long time ago that was pretty good with uh, Matthew Modine, but I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen one since then. Has there ever been a Ted Turner biopic or something like that? Because there could be some some actually pretty gnarly Ted Turner sailing no, we're uh, due. Bu- we're sports due biopics. So no one steal that. But um, I know what I'm going to say just because, and, and I'll be interested to see if we get even one response to this, but there's a, there are these two towns in like very far, as I understand it, I'm going to screw up the geography, but in very far North Minnesota named, one of them is named War Road, like the words War Road, all one word. And one is named Rozo. And there was a kid in college from Rozo. And he was, um, he's straight out of Beartown. I think his like grandfather invented the snowmobile or something like that. So <laughs> I would set it, I would do a, a Rozo. And they're kind of rival towns in some way. So I would, I would set it there. Meg Schuster will be happy with the Minnesota shout out. Yeah, but, she's, she's um, like the hair on her hockey. I think up. hockey works like as, I like the sort of protector aspect of it. Um, because having covered hockey, that is like a constant question that they're forced to reckon with is like, 
Sidney Crosby is a bodyguard, the team right? Plays a role. Yeah, exactly. Like Wayne Gretzky and Marty McSorley, famously, and that sort of thing. So. That's great. All right, I I I can't I can't top that. So Katie, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, maybe we'll get together for the finale of Bear Town and talk a little bit about what we've what we've learned from these these crazy northern Swedes. Thanks, thanks so much for joining me. Top moments at Mag and Lit. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.